What's up, Boston? It's Friday, December 9th, and that means it's time again for our special holiday edition of the Friday Five, where we update you on the latest news from Boston and around the U.S. with seasonal surprises throughout. I'm Landry Harlan. And I'm Chris Atienza. With the Boston University News Service, or puns for short. Expect this episode to be filled with puns, Christina. Too many puns. Just the right amount of puns. It is the most wonderful time of the year, after all. All right, Chris, you ready? 16 days, I mean, yeah, let's go. A tweet from President-elect Donald Trump bashing Chuck Jones, a carrier union leader, on Wednesday evening is just the latest in a string of controversial moves Trump has made this week. According to the New York Times, the tweet was a result of Jones calling out Trump's claim of saving 1,000 carrier jobs from moving out of the country, with Jones saying the company will only retain 730 union and 70 non-union jobs. Many have raised concern over Trump attacking a private citizen on social media as Jones has received death threats since the tweet, according to CNBC. Trump also took a call from Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen this week, a move that could possibly damage the United States' relationship with China, who considers Taiwan a breakaway province. As The Guardian explains, the call is thought to be the first between the leader of the island and a U.S. president or president-elect, since ties between America and Taiwan were severed in 1979. Trump originally said that Ing-wen called him without his prior knowledge, but reports since by The Washington Post and others proved that the call was actually carefully planned. Trump was briefed before the call, and it was part of his mission to serve notice to Beijing that it is dealing with a different kind of president. Trump's cabinet continued to fill up with new names this week as well. Here's a quick run-through of the big ones, with help from a New York Times report. First, Scott Pruitt. Formerly the Attorney General of Oklahoma, Pruitt will now head the Environmental Protection Agency. This has drawn the ire of many environmental activist groups, as Pruitt is known for being a close ally of the fossil fuel industry. Aaron will go into more detail on the ramifications of this pick in today's Tech and Science segment. Second, Ben Carson. Formerly a neurosurgeon and a Republican presidential candidate, Carson will now be the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. He will now be responsible for overseeing fair housing laws, the development of affordable housing, and access to mortgage insurance. Carson previously said that he didn't believe he had the experience to work in government when he was considered to head the Education Department. Lastly, Linda McMahon. Formerly the chief executive of World Wrestling Entertainment, McMahon will lead the Small Business Administration. McMahon was one of Trump's biggest donors and is now responsible for guaranteeing loans for small businesses and helping them get government contracts. Well, I don't know how WWE is considered a small business, but whatever works for the president-elect, I assume. I will admit if it's on the TV, I will sometimes watch it. It's a good time. It's okay. I am totally shameless when it's on. In other big news in the country, the DAPL, as we were talking last week, some big moves have happened since we last spoke. On Sunday, the Army Corps of Engineers announced that they would not approve of a 1,100-foot easement of the DAPL that would go under a North Dakota lake. According to Smithsonian.com, the Army Corps said in a statement that after discussions with Standing Rock Sioux and understanding their concerns, the Corps will explore alternate routes and even conduct a full-scale environmental impact impact statement, which could take up to a few years. This move effectively puts a victory for all the DAPL protesters, but the battle is far from over, according to National Congress of American Indians President Brian Cladusby. NPR reports that he said this isn't over, but this is enormously good news. All tribal peoples have prayed from the beginning for peaceful solution, and this puts us back on track. The one possible problem for the DAPL protesters in the future is President-elect Donald Trump. Bustle.com pointed out a memo from the Trump transition team that the President-elect 
intend to cut the bureaucratic red tape put in place by the Obama administration that has prevented our country from diversifying our energy portfolio. The memo also alludes to the possibility that the Trump administration could even possibly continue the DAPL's construction along the original route. Hopefully the solution can remain peaceful and progress can be made to benefit all parties involved. Great reporting, Christina. Is it snowing yet? Yo, Rob, so from a local perspective, what do you say it's snowing? I can't say that it is, Chris, but thanks for teeing me up with a weather question because we're going to be talking about climate change. Lame. I'm so out of here. Okay, well, uh, Erin then. Have you heard that ExxonMobil is suing Attorney General Maura Healey? Wait, isn't she suing them? Well, actually, both are true now. Healy originally sued ExxonMobil for fraud, accusing the company of actively misrepresenting what it learned about climate change. The lawsuit comes after online investigative site Inside Climate News revealed Exxon had been aware of how its product was impacting climate change for decades. According to the Boston Globe, Healy said, We can all see today the troubling disconnect between what Exxon knew, what the industry folks knew, and what the company and the industry chose to share with investors and with the American public. So what's Exxon suing Healy for now? Exxon is saying that the Attorney General's investigation violates their First Amendment right to free speech. A spokesperson for Exxon, Alan T. Jeffers, said in an interview with The Globe, We have no choice but to defend ourselves against politically motivated investigations that are biased, in bad faith, and without legal merit. Both suits are currently ongoing. Exxon's case against Healy is being tried in Texas, and the attorney general's case against the company is being tried in Massachusetts. In other local news, I hear that Governor Charlie Baker has made quite a few cuts to the state budget recently. That's right. Citing lower-than-expected tax revenue, Baker is cutting more than $98 million from the state budget. Most of these cuts were already removed from the state's approved budget by Baker's veto power, but the Massachusetts legislature was able to override these vetoes and get the funds back into the budget. So how are the cuts getting back into the budget? Massachusetts gives the governor a tool called 9C Cuts. This allows the governor to make cuts unilaterally without any approval process from the legislature. Okay, so what exactly is being cut? So as you might expect, with a budget cut of over $98 million, quite a lot. He's cut over 140 different budget line items. We won't be able to get to all of them here, but it hits everything from child literacy programs to organizations trying to combat Massachusetts opioid crisis. The Boston Globe has a full list of all of the cuts on their website titled Full List of Cuts Made by the Baker Administration. Ooh, catchy headline. Admittedly, it's hard to make a table of budget cuts sound very exciting. And finally, some news that may be of particular interest to the two of us. Rob and I were in the recording booth until 3 a.m. last night working on our other podcast. Shameless plug, any fantasy football fans out there, be sure to listen to When Pigskins Fly. Rob is actually kind of funny on it, and I am obviously hilarious. But anyway, by the time we left the studio, the tea had been closed for hours. The elimination of late-night tea service is annoying for students like us, but it can be a real problem for the staff of Boston's bars and restaurants, many of which stay open well after the tea stops running. There's a new proposal from Lyft that may offer a solution, though. A sleigh and 12 magical flying reindeer? Next best thing. Self-driving cars? Okay, third best thing? Cars driven by elves? <laughs> Protected bike lanes? <laughs> Maglev trains? Literal Led Zeppelins? Okay, like, seventh best thing? Cars driven by humans. 
Lyft is trying to partner with the MBTA and local business owners to subsidize rides for those businesses' employees. The business would contribute $1 per ride, and the MBTA would subsidize an average of $5 per ride, bring the average cost to riders to about $2.75. Beats the 20 bucks we spent last night. Somehow I don't think Buns is going to opt in here to bail us out of our procrastination. Unless their heart grows three sizes that day. All right, guys, and now it's time for science. 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 Science and tech. With Aaron Wake. We all know what you're here for today. Right, Chris? Sweet, are we making snow? Well, we're not making snow, but we are going to give you the science of snow just to get you all in the holiday spirit. This is the best day ever. (laughs) Okay, so full disclosure, I learned about how snow is made in my earth science class in ninth grade, which was almost 10 years ago, but I have a pretty good memory of it because I'm a big fan of snow. Anyway. To make snow, first the atmospheric temperature has to be at or below 32 degrees Fahrenheit or 0 degrees Celsius. This is also known as the freezing point of water, which is great because snow is just frozen water. What's cool about snowflakes is that they're water droplets that freeze onto dust particles, which is what allows them to form those beautiful, unique crystals you know and love. Anyway, as long as the temperature on the ground is also below freezing or close to it, snow can stick and accumulate, which is how we get snow days, kids. Is that what you were hoping for, Chris? This is exactly what I was looking for. Thanks for teaching us about snow. And now I'm out. Thanks for dropping by, Chris. Now, Isha, have you ever had a snow day? Well, I'm from in India. It doesn't really get cold enough for that, Erin. Tomorrow it's supposed to be 87 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 30 degrees Celsius. It's a very different climate than the one in Boston. What I wouldn't give for a climate like that one. And speaking of climate... That was an impressively bad transition, Erin. Speaking of climate... (laughs) President-elect Donald Trump has announced his pick for the head of the Environmental Protection Agency. All right, who is it? I'm glad you asked, Isha. His name is Scott Pruitt, and he's Oklahoma's Republican Attorney General. If this tells you anything about his politics and his views on science, the New York Times headline about the announcement that Pruitt would head the EPA is... Trump picks Scott Pruitt, climate change denialist, to lead EPA. The Times also reminded readers that Trump once said he wanted to get rid of the EPA in almost every form. Overall, it seems like Trump's EPA pick is looking to decrease environmental regulations and toss some, if not all, of the federal government's environmental regulatory powers to the states. He was one of a bunch of conservative politicians who pushed back against President Obama's 2015 climate rules, filing a 28-state lawsuit against the rules. That's a lot of states. You're right. It's over 50% of them. But on a more techie and less sciencey note, I have some news about Apple, and I don't mean the fruit. We're talking the tech giants here, guys. What you got? Well, Apple has decided to reverse a Steve Jobs-era policy and allow its artificial intelligence researchers to publish academic papers. There's this whole philosophy in the world of academic research that information should be free and open, which can be a huge problem for researchers working for companies that don't share their open source values. You know, companies like Apple have an obligation to their shareholders to turn a profit, and one of the ways they can do that is by keeping their research private. This is called proprietary research, and it makes 
sense from an economic standpoint. But in a burgeoning field like artificial intelligence with a ton of academic research applications, it makes sense to allow other researchers access to your research so you can advance the field quickly and make important strides. Industry experts have speculated that Apple may be reversing its policy for the simple reason of attracting more talent. I kind of hope it's allowing its researchers to publish for the advancement of research and ultimately technology. I think it's probably a little bit of both. They want to attract talent and allow the field to advance at a faster rate. Me too, Ish. And with that, it's time to throw it over to Chris and Bree for sports. So, it is our favorite time. Snow. I mean sports. You said our. That's your favorite time. Before we go and enjoy our nice little break before the next semester, let us give you a nice little holiday-themed sports update. Now the Patriots won over the LA Rams 26 to 10, but at a cost. ESPN has reported that fan favorite Rob Gronkowski seems to be out for the season with a ruptured disc in his back. Gronk will have surgery on his back soon, but the likelihood of returning is pretty slim. A ruptured back disc? I don't know many people that could quickly come back. On a brighter note, the Celtics had an easy win over the Orlando Magic 117 to 87. They did. Unfortunately, things for the Celtics aren't going so hot. On Wednesday, Isaiah Thomas received a plasma injection for a groin strain. ESPN also reports that this means Thomas will miss his second straight game, so don't expect him to be on the court today. And that is a huge, huge blow. Other teams that are hoping for the best are the Bruins. They had two goals for Pasternak in their last matchup against the Colorado Avalanche, but were unable to make a comeback last night. They lost 4-2. NHL.com reports that the Bruins captain Zdeno Chara hopes that the team can do better with the challenges of back-to-back games. As you know, there's 16 days till Christmas. Of course. So we have to have a little fun. Bree has come up with the wonderful idea, the 12 Games of Christmas. Our 12 Games of Christmas segment is going to be 12 games that you should watch out for as a Boston fan. So first for the Patriots, they have a Monday night game against the Ravens at Foxborough. And that's going to be a really interesting one, considering that the Ravens are tied for the top of their division at 7-5 and five with the Steelers. Then the week after, they have another primetime game, but this time against the Broncos on the 18th, but they visit the Mile High City. Let's look at what else the Celtics can look forward to. I wrote this one down before the word of Isaiah Thomas, but the Celtics actually go to the Thunder. They see Russell Westbrook, I mean Westbrook, the man of the triple-double hour. I really want to see how they kind of handle him, and that is on Sunday, December 11th. They have a really tough stretch while we're away because they also see the Spurs on that road run. Hopefully he can come back for what else you have there. The Thunder come back here on the 23rd. Hopefully Isaiah would be back by then, but that would be another interesting game, especially comparable to the one that they'll see on the 11th. After, see the leading team in the Eastern Conference Mm. in the Cavs on the 29th. But remember that they did give the Cavs a very hard time on opening night. It would just be interesting to me to see how the Cavs have kind of adjusted. They seem unstoppable. Bringing it back to hockey, on Monday, the Bruins will be facing the Montreal Canadiens and oh, Canada, those Canadians are doing really, really well. The next one up I have on my list is the Bruins squaring off against the Pittsburgh Penguins on Wednesday. I am biased because I am from baby Penguins country, aka <laughs> Wilkes-Barre. I just always 
always know I have to keep an eye out on the Penguins because also remember, the Penguins are the winners of the Stanley Cup last year. Yes, that I do know. And my last suggestion for the Bruins, two days after Christmas on the 27th, they will be going up against the Columbus Blue Jackets. I put them up on our list because anytime you have teams that have pretty similar records, it should always be interesting because you will always try to just edge each other out. (laughs) And my last hockey-related things is not a professional sports team, but they do pretty dang well anyway. The Boston University's women ice hockey team will be hosting number two Minnesota this weekend. So a win there could be huge in confidence for the final stretch. Good luck, ladies. And sound the alarm. Boston College actually made it into a bowl game. What? So they will be facing Maryland on Monday, December 26th on Boxing Day at 2.30 p.m. in the Quick Lane Bowl. What do we have as our 12th thing to pay attention for? On the 12th day of Christmas, Tom Brady gave to me. Hopefully an AFC playoff win because that's where the Pats will be since the Raiders went down last night. They now have taken the top of the AFC. So hopefully, despite being Gronkless, Brady delivers another one, the man on the mission. You know, let's add to that 200 win count. Which brings us to our last segment. It is the holiday season, Brie. And you know what else the holiday season brings other than really delicious food? Santa! All right, Boston, it is time for our Boston team's Christmas list. For the Bruins, I just think they would want a nice little end to the actual like month of December because they seem to be having a little bit of a rough time. So hopefully ending December on a positive note would be something they would really want. For all the Pats fans out there, I know that on my Christmas list, if I was a Pats fan, I would want Gronk's back fixed ASAP. Whether it is fixed, whether Santa gives him a whole new spine, anything to get Gronk back. The Celtics, what do you think they would want? For Christmas, I would ask for perimeter defense. You know, I've been kind of on them, the way they've been struggling, and consistency. They seem to be fluctuating in terms of the way they get wins, hopefully. Now, what else could Boston want for Christmas, Brie? Since we just announced that Boston College has a bowl game, I'm sure we'd want to see them win that bowl game. So, Santa... If you're coming to town, it's right after Christmas. (laughs) Let's hope he delivers. And that should do it for our sports update. Now let me blue skidoo out of here so you and Landry can talk some arts. Bree, I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you're here. To celebrate our last art segment of the semester. Wow. And I think people really need this segment now because I know it's finals week for a lot of people. Sorry about y'all. I'm already done. So (laughs) I actually don't feel too bad about it. But I know you all need to get like a little bit of a break from your studies every now and then. Yes, we all do. Still can't do those, you know, late nights over and over again without going and having a little fun. So that's what Bree and I are here for today. And make sure you stick around to the end. We're going to give you our Christmas movie picks. Yes. Our favorite ones. So without further ado, the number one thing you can do 
is see the play Fingersmith, Fingersmith, which is based on a very good Sarah Waters book. Let me give you a little plot description. The job seems simple at first. All pickpocket Sue Trinder has to do is help a con man cheat a gullible young Harris out of her fortune. But nothing is quite what it seems in this mystery set in the shadows of Victorian England. Spiraling through London streets, madhouses, and a stifling mansion with a shocking secret, Sue finds herself in the most dangerous landscape of all. Ready for the spree? Sexuality, love, and betrayal. <laughs> This play is going to be showing at the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge tonight at 7.30 p.m. and tomorrow and Sunday at 2 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. And best part, tickets for students are $15. That's definitely in my budget. What up? Those are student rush tickets. Just get there before the show. See if there's any left. $15, I'll tell you. Pretty good deal. Madhouses. All right, Bree. I got a big question for you. I have a big answer. How much do you love bacon? I love bacon. I love it, too. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure our listeners love bacon, too. So I got something real special for y'all. It's Bacon Fest. Bacon Fest and Night Shift Brewing. Here's how it's going to work. The Munch Mobile Kitchen is teaming up with the good folks at the Bacon Truck for a day of smoky, salty, bacony goodness. So we'll come get a beer in the tap room and a bacon dish. Here's some of the things we got. Bacon sandwiches, bacon sides, bacon by a handful, bacon donuts, <laughs> bacon truffle, bacon everything. Was that a good Was that a good impression? That was a beautiful impression. <laughs> oh, and you can also make bacon art. Art would you make with bacon? Is this insulting? I would make a pig. Ooh. <laughs> that went to a dark place, but I like it. <laughs> Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> That'll be a nice shift brewing tomorrow from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. and totally free. So go have a good time. Enjoy the bacon. Be Free bacon. Sounds like Beer. a great time go, to me. Go get it. And when you've eaten all that bacon, you'll need to exercise. Right, yes. Bree? Yes. How are you at ice skating? I'm terrible. I'm also <laughs> terrible. We're really connecting on the segment today. The last time I ice skated was probably like middle school. Yeah. And I just cling to the wall as I'm falling the entire time. But I may give it another shot because finally, after many delays, the Boston City Hall Plaza Winter Wonderland is open. This is going to have the first custom designed skating path in a holiday shopping market. This skating path is 11,000 square feet of outdoor ice. Wow. It's going to be open through February. So you have a lot of days to go check it out. And of course, still got to get those gifts for Christmas. Gifts for all the siblings, right? The holiday shopping market is going to have over 40 chalets. The boutique-style shops, lots of French, offering a wide array of gifts and food. So again, this is the Boston City Hall Plaza. When is tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday? All from 11 a.m. to about 8 p.m. And that's free to go. Of course, skate rentals and all that cost money. And then lastly, after you've had that bacon and you've exercised, you're real tired. You just want to like sit down and listen to music. Far Cry, the Gardner, Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum's Resident Chamber Orchestra is going to be performing on Sunday from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m., $17 for the student ID, so another great deal. They've been the Chamber Orchestra in residence since 2010, 17 young professional musicians, and they're going to play a wide variety of music. They self-conduct, and they just try to bring classical music into a new generation, so that should be fun and relaxing. I would pronounce the names of the, the musicians they're going to play, but I really can't. <laughs> So we're going to go Mufat, Shiakona, Propitia, and O'Connor. So if you know who those people are, go check that out. Sounds like a good time. Now for the moment y'all have been waiting for. What is your number one Christmas movie? I thoroughly enjoy Polar Express. The Polar Express? Yes. The one with Tom Hanks? I absolutely adore that movie. (laughs) We also have a a Christmas tradition in my family. We watch It's a Wonderful Life on Christmas Eve. The black and white version. Do not watch the color version. That's just not right. (laughs) It may be new and updated and pretty, but you got to watch the original. 
James Stewart. We throw a lasso around the moon and bring it down for you. I'm getting a lot of impressions today. You're and welcome. they're wonderful. You're welcome, listeners. Thank you, Bree. I need that encouragement. And so, yeah, it's a wonderful life in the Polar Express. Go check those out and enjoy the holiday season. We'll see y'all next month. We'll have a whole new array of fun activities in Boston to go check out. Yes, have fun, Boston. Happy and safe holidays. Thanks so much, Bree. Thanks. See you next time, everybody. With that, this ends this week's Buns Friday Five for December 9th, 2016. We'll see y'all next year. Until then, from the Buns Friday Five dysfunctional family to yours, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays! Or whatever holiday you celebrate. Sorry. (laughs) For the Buns Friday Five, I'm Chris Atienza. And I'm Landry Harlan. Have a fantastic holiday. And I'm Charlie (laughs) Morrison. Music for this week's Friday Five was provided by Video Helper. You heard Force Joy by Aaron Sapp, Drowning in Joy by Aaron Sapp, Moved to the Bass by Brian Randazzo, Christmas at the Bar by Kyle White, Wondermental by Stuart Winter, and Holiday Hang by Dylan Nowick.